If you can find a Bible in the pew near you, then that'll be good. Page 361, 361. We'll be reading from 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 1 to 18. Page 361. <clears throat> Beginning at verse 1. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled for forty days and forty nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came, and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael, over, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel-Meholah, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and all whose mouths have not kissed him. This is the word of the Lord. Let's, uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that uh, 
we can come and look at the Bible together. And as we look at uh, the story of Elijah and also as we think about uh, the issue of suicide, we pray that you would uh, be with us and help us to understand. Pray particularly for any for whom this is a sensitive subject, that you'd be close to us and comfort us. And may we all benefit from reading the Bible and learning from it. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Probably helpful, although we won't come to it straight away, but if you have the Bibles open, we're Mark read in, uh, in 1 Kings 19, page 361, although we'll actually go back a couple of chapters as well. So, um, Suicidal Saints is the uh, title that this uh, little mini-series has been given. So if you were here a couple of weeks ago, Will, talked about, uh, Will Steve talked about uh, uh, Moses, and I think next week he's going to be talking about Jonah. And uh, actually, I'm not sure that I agreed with the title that was given to them, because as you'll see, I'm not sure they are suicidal in that sense, but um, because when we say we're depressed, there are all sorts of things that we mean. You know? So when you say, you know, if one of us says, I'm depressed, we could mean all sorts of things. You might just mean that you're a bit down in the mouth, a bit tired, a bit fed up, right through to being severely clinically depressed. Well, in uh, the reading from uh, 1 Kings, which uh, we've had, we have Elijah, who appears to be depressed. He was afraid. We're going to look back at the story a bit more in a bit more detail in a bit, but I'm just going to skim over now what happened before. He'd seen God act very decisively on Mount Carmel, but when Jezebel, we read there in the start of the chapter in verse 2, when Jezebel made her threat, he was absolutely scared stiff. Actually, he was exhausted. The, all the exhilaration of all that had gone on on Mount Carmel, and we'll, if you don't know the story, we'll look at that, as I say, in a minute. He was exhausted after that, and we might well say that he was depressed. After all, he says there in verse 4, I've had enough. He says to God, I've had enough. Take away my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. But as we read on through chapter 19, we see that he has rest and food, and then he goes on to hear God's voice, and he's recommissioned, and really by the end of the chapter, he's sorted out. So perhaps his depression was more exhaustion and fear. It was accompanied by a more sort of spiritual depression. I don't think he appears to be truly suicidal. When we talk about spiritual depression, there are lots of examples in the Bible of spiritual depression. One of the good examples is in the Psalms, um, and it's probably something that, that's something that all of us would say that we've felt and experienced to some extent. So, for example, in Psalm 42 and 43, you could say that those Psalms, they're a study in the recovery from spiritual depression. If you, if you were to look at them later, you see the little title of the uh, psalm says they're psalms written by the sons of Korah. Korah was Levi, great Levi, who was one of uh, the original 12 sons of, uh, of Jacob. One of his, uh, he was Levi's great-grandson, that was Korah, and his descendants. So the sons of Korah, they were the sort of gatekeepers, the watchers and the musicians in the temple. And in that psalm, for some reason, whoever was writing that psalm, one of these sons of Korah, he's way up. Instead of being down in Jerusalem, he's right up in the north, north, northeast of, uh, of Israel, up in the Golan Heights. And he feels depressed because he misses um, communion or fellowship with God. 
and he misses the joy of being with fellow believers, but also he feels a bit oppressed because of the opposition he's receiving. And the cure for him in that psalm is to talk to himself. He knows that it doesn't help to keep feeling sorry for himself. And running through the psalm is the confidence that though God is distant, yet God does care and he knows God's love is with him even in exile. So in that psalm three times he says, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. We may all experience, all of us may experience something like that, um, being a bit fed up sometimes, God seeing a bit distant and so on. But that's very different to the experience that some of us may have known, either for ourselves or in our family or our friends. Severe clinical depression is not something that's easily sorted out by food or rest. Nor is it any good to tell yourself or someone else just to pull yourself together. Unlike the psalmist there in Psalms 42 and 43, there's no confidence or certainty. And particularly for the Christian believer, this inability to see beyond the feelings of despair is just awful. Elijah, in his weariness, he asked God to take his life. Maybe he was a bit more clinically depressed than I've suggested, but if he was, his recovery was very quick and sort of perhaps miraculous. Suicide uh, isn't really something that we talk much about in church, is it really? The Bible, and the Bible doesn't really say an awful lot about suicide. There are a few instances of suicide in the Bible. You might, some of you might be able to think of one or two of them. So there's King Saul and his armor bearer. At the end of a battle, they killed themselves. Ahithophel, who was a guy who was advisor to King David's rebel son Absalom, he killed himself. I guess most of us will know that Judas Iscariot did that. He committed suicide. You might say that Samson committed suicide, but you couldn't say he was depressed, really, could you? Um, and when I was reading around the chapters around this, just getting a bit more of the context for Elijah, I wondered if there's a guy called Zimri, who back in chapter 16 of 1 Kings, he reigned as king for seven days, and he actually burned the house he was in rather than be captured. So should he be added to the list? But actually, none of those guys really show the despair that leads to suicide in a severely depressed person. You, you might say, we see a little bit in Judas Iscariot, but then I guess his particular situation was completely unique in what he had done. But really, we don't, we don't really see the despair. But there are plenty of examples of Christians through the ages who've suffered with depression, with some being suicidal. So here are just uh, three. The top right is Martin Luther, the reformer. He suffered from episodes of depression. Bottom right is uh, the Bible translator, J.B. Phillips, and on the left there is C.S. Lewis. They all had episodes of depression. And someone else who did it was uh, this guy, William Cowper. Now, some of you may have thought that that uh, hymn that we just sang just before, that we've just sung, you may have thought that was a bit odd. Well, it, you may have thought it was rather old-fashioned, as well as being rather odd. It's actually one of many, many hymns that William Cowper wrote. He became a very successful, well-known 18th century poet. 
a writer of poetry, but throughout his life he suffered from episodes of severe depression and he had several suicide attempts. In his day, just like now, depression and suicide were difficult subjects with a bit of a taboo. And Cowper, in his writings, one of the things he tried to do was to try to break the conspiracy of silence. He'd actually had a, quite a privileged upbringing, he, um, but he also had sadness in his early life. So his mother died when he was six, he was, and his youngest brother,